Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank Afney, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. A colleague of mine who has fought in a variety of capacities in that war with great distinction, uh, notably in the uniform of the United States Marines Force Reconnaissance Special Forces, is our first guest. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, United States Marine Corps Reserves. He is Speaking, of course, in his civilian capacity, which is as the director of the Center for Security Policies Infrastructure Security Project, he has been working tirelessly and for quite a number of years now to address the most critical of our critical infrastructure security challenges, namely that of our electrical grid, because after all, as listeners to this program know, if we don't have an electric grid, we're not going to have any other critical infrastructure, nor indeed a society, let alone the land of the free and the home of the brave of the United States of America. We're wanting to catch up with Tommy to talk about several interesting and potentially quite important developments in the electric grid security business. Tommy has been leading the Center for Security Policy-sponsored Secure the Grid Coalition, and uh, has been following very closely these developments. We're delighted to have him with us. Tommy, welcome back to Secure Freedom Radio. Thank you, Frank, for having me on. There's an important development, potentially, Tommy, and that is that the Biden administration has let it be known that um, they're now worried about domestic terrorists having in their crosshairs our electric grid. Um, I'd like to ask you about uh, two pieces of this. Um, and let me start with the first, which is, who are they talking about? in terms of domestic terrorists, do you think? And uh, how credible a threat do you regard that? Yeah, Frank. So um, a couple things. First is uh, we don't I haven't seen a copy of the actual Department of Homeland Security report. What we have seen uh, are a few media, media articles, right? So you CNN, ABC, uh, The Daily Beast. The headlines kind of seem to say it all with respect to who uh, they think are um, the problem here. Uh, for example, the Daily Beast headline, DHS warns that right-wing extremists could attack the power grid, uh, CNN. Electric grid is attractive target for domestic violent extremists in the U.S. So what we've seen over the last year is a significant effort um, to direct attention toward um, what they're calling domestic violent extremists or DVEs, uh, which in many cases are, are you know labels that are applied by the current administration uh, in some cases on their political enemies. What we also know is the grid is absolutely vulnerable to attack. It's just interesting that in, until recently, when there was a focus on these, quote, domestic violent extremists, it seemed as though the physical vulnerabilities of the grid were not that big of a deal. Uh, and I'll give you an example, Frank. A year ago this week, we had filed a complaint with FERC. This is the federal regulator for the, for the bulk power grid that the physical security and enforcement standards to protect the grid against this physical attack uh, that these news articles warn about, that those standards were inefficient, they were inadequate and under-enforced. And ultimately, the federal government dismissed that complaint. So, Frank, you know very well that our coalition has been trying to raise the alarm about the vulnerability of, of the grid to all hazards, including physical sabotage, and for whatever reason, it, it never really made the headlines until there was, um, quote, domestic violent extremists that they were concerned might attack it. 
I think this is unfortunately uh, cynical on their part, but in a way, as you say, Tommy, it at least implicitly acknowledges a very significant reality and makes all the more urgent the need to remedy it, namely that our grid is vulnerable. And whether it's the people that they ascribe malign intentions to, whether they're Oh, I don't know, conservatives or their Trump voters or their veterans or their gun owners or any of the others that they consider to be, um, you know, potential domestic terrorists, uh, school board attending moms uh, among them. The grid vulnerability yawns before us and actual potential domestic terrorists, whether they're Marxists or Sharia supremacists or somebody else, uh, let alone foreign adversaries, uh, I think probably are a very real threat uh, to its uh, continued viability. And, and that brings me to another question that we touched on with Peter last week, and I'd be interested in your thoughts about it. Um, the budget that has been put forward by the Biden administration with respect to this so-called infrastructure bill, uh, we're told actually envision spending billions of dollars on the electric grid. Uh, Tommy, from your study of this with the Secure the Grid Coalition, and I, again, commend tremendously the work of that coalition, and it can be found at securethegrid.com, you have some sense of uh, whether that money is, in fact, there, uh, whether it's, yes, going to be used for the grid, but you know, making it greener and more uh, dependent upon technologies that, that well, frankly, may or may not serve uh, to make the grid more uh, resilient, as we like to say. Uh, what's your reading on the state of this uh, effort to what end? So you're you're right, Frank. The infrastructure bill, as it's called, um, you know, 1.2 tri trillion dollars, just gigantic amount of money. That money is uh, beginning to to make its way to places where it could make a difference if people are motivated to to spend it wisely. Uh, we had some recent revelations last week. Uh, January 25th was the second meeting of the Secretary of Energy Advisory Board. Uh, Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm established this advisory board. It had its inaugural meeting in, in October, uh, which, which we were participants in. And then, uh, and then last week, and they unveiled a number of things um, that show that they're ready to spend this money. Uh, and one of those is this new Office of Clean Energy Demonstrations. Now, to uh, Dr. Pry's point, I think that you just expressed was there's a concern that the money might just be spent uh, on research, just research and development and not uh, actually building out uh, the things that we need to make the grid resilient. Um, so that's a choice they have to make with this new Office of Clean Energy Demonstrations. And in fact, this is why uh, a number of our colleagues in the in the Secure the Grid Coalition, including Ambassador Woolsey, you know, our, our co-director, who is uh, the former director of Central Intelligence, we recently teamed up uh, on an op-ed that I hope will be published soon uh, that your listeners can read, where we argue the need for this new office uh, to take a few really important steps uh, to, to do demonstrations, right? If it's an office of clean energy demonstrations, Let's do some demonstrations, actual work to show what technologies are available to protect the grid and to test certain extremely important components of the grid 
against realistic hazards, right? And that's what this new office is supposed to do to, to demonstrate how the grid can work in, in realistic conditions. And one of those is uh, in the face of electromagnetic pulse. Well, I do worry about an office that has as its brand clean energy may have a very different focus than the one we need. But um, in principle, you're right. And in fact, you were involved uh, in a recent meeting of the Secretary of Energy's advisory board, telephonic virtual, virtual meeting. But um, this issue of demonstration uh, of, you know, both the vulnerability, really, of the grid and uh, what might be done to make it more resilient uh, was uh, your topic. Uh, discuss that a little bit, if you would, Tom. Sure, Frank. Yeah, we, we made recommendations in her inaugural meeting and again in this second meeting that pertain to the security of the electric grid. Now, we had three major recommendations in the last meeting, and, and frankly, each of, each of them could take up an entire 60-minute uh, segment of the radio show. But um, there's there's two that I'll just mention briefly. One is that if they're so focused as as they should be, they should be they should be focused on clean energy, right? Um, but let's be realistic about it. We have the ability right now to take an extraordinary hazard, environmental and societal hazard, which is spent nuclear fuel, and we could produce clean carbon free energy for the United States for up to a thousand years. And that's a concept that we continually suggest to the Department of Energy and specifically to Secretary Granholm that they adopt as what they call one of their, quote, energy earth shots. So we recall the moon shot that America did. Uh, this is what they call an earth shot. And so that that concept is described in the recommendation and it will be described in our in our forthcoming op ed. The second and much more urgent thing that they can do right now, Frank, is that they can test a multi-million dollar transformer donated by Duke Energy against realistic cyber and EMP threats. This transformer has languished for four years in a parking lot in North Charleston, South Carolina, when Duke Energy donated, right? So now I want your listeners to understand, Frank, there has never been in the United States of America a test of a transformer, an extra high voltage transformer. And you know, this is the backbone of the grid. They are irreplaceable. We have never tested a transformer against EMP while it's under load, right? While it's working. And the Savannah River uh, site, the Savannah River um, Research Laboratory, SRL, the Savannah Research Laboratory, Savannah River Research Laboratory, has the capability to do these realistic tests and and all for about a million dollars to move this transformer up the Savannah River where it can be tested. And until then, Frank, all we rely on is the modeling, which has been provided for us by industry funded studies, which the U.S. Air Force's Electromagnetic Defense Task Force found were dangerously optimistic. Uh, and so that's something that they can demonstrate right now test this transformer, see what happens when it's under load and hit with realistic EMP field strengths uh, so that we know how to protect against EMP. Tommy, I, I'm so glad you brought this up and that uh, you had a chance to bring it up with Secretary Granholm as well. Did, did you get any kind of response from her? Because this, this is, well, first of all, it's outrageous on the one hand uh, that, that uh, a utility has actually volunteered to allow this major 
piece of capital investment to be used for this purpose. And it's it's been just hanging up there for four years. I, I pray that it hasn't degraded to the point where it's unusable. I don't know if you know whether that's the case or not, but uh, that it's it's uh it's it's still up to the job of being a good test article but did did secretary grenholm or her team indicate any uh any interest in taking advantage of this opportunity at long last because it certainly seems like a no-brainer it it is a no-brainer frank Un- unless that is unless there are certain people whether in industry or government that don't want the results of that test to ever be uh, discovered right uh, it the, the will. Well, I think that's for sure. That's why it's just been sitting there for four exactly years. Exactly right. Think? But I do have to credit. I have to credit uh, Secretary Granholm and her advisory board that that they gave me the opportunity to make these recommendations, uh, not during the public comment section, uh, but at the end of their meeting. Frank, there were there were numerous people who called in for public comments, and those comments were dominated. Uh, by climate activists and, and people seeking environmental justice and social justice. And and so they just never had a chance to to hear any further comments on grid security. So, you know, I, I asked at the end of their meeting as they adjourned, would, would you care to hear some recommendations on grid security? And And I'm encouraged by the fact that they all stopped and sat back down and directed their full attention to hear the recommendations. Uh, and, I, and I even got uh, an email thanking me for making those recommendations afterwards by the meeting's moderator. Uh, so that gives me at least the, the hope that uh, that our message was heard. Frank, these same recommendations have been made to the Department of Energy from the bottom up numerous times during both the Trump administration and throughout the last year plus time of the Biden administration. So none of this is new. Uh, what's new is that we're applying not only the bottom-up approach, but the top-down approach, uh, where we make it directly to the decision makers. Look, I, I thank you for uh, both being on that call and for seizing the day to get that information injected. It, it wouldn't have been on the agenda, evidently, and it wouldn't have been heard, uh, but for your efforts and leadership, Tommy. So kudos to you. It does need to be talked up. It does need to be acted upon. We'll be talking more with one of uh, America's great authorities on energy security and uh, and most vocal proponents of it, uh, Jackie uh, Daly, um, who has a radio show on this subject uh, momentarily, Tommy. But before we turn to her, I did want to just ask you one question about uh, Texas, which will set up our conversations with her as well. Uh, you have been working closely with um, the community of San Antonio, Texas, um, which has had a remarkable um, effort underway to try to uh, demonstrate how a city, a very important city in our country, military city USA, they call it, uh, can be made resilient and perhaps a model, therefore, for not only Texas, but for the nation. Uh, very quickly, if you could, Tommy, in a minute or so, just tell us what's going on in San Antonio and is it promising in this regard? Well, what's happening in San Antonio, uh, Frank, is is really, um, it, it's called a pilot project, but it's what every city should be doing right now. And that is working on figuring out exactly how to protect their most critical infrastructures from all hazards, including electromagnetic pulse. The San Antonio Electromagnetic Defense, as it's called, uh, is, is really one of these prominent places in the country leading the way. Uh, Lake Wiley, South Carolina is another. But in San Antonio, you have a special mix of the military, 
the civilian community, the critical infrastructure owners, and especially CPS Energy, their municipal utility that's embraced this concept. And so we're going to get an update, Frank, next next Friday, in fact, the 11th. There will be a public uh, quarterly meeting of the San Antonio Electromagnetic Defense where we'll find out uh, just how much progress they've made in this endeavor. Uh, But it's a righteous endeavor. And it's one that needs to be replicated all across the country. Absolutely. Well, Tommy, again, your leadership has been invaluable there as well. And we so appreciate all that you do at the Center for Security Policies, Secure the Great Coalition, and um, our infrastructure security program. I know you'll keep it up, and I hope you'll come back to us again very soon with updates on it all. Jackie Daly joins us next. More on the grid and what it means for you if we fail to make it resilient. That and more, straight ahead. 